So here we are, Exodus chapter 5. Let's get into this here. And I think the best way to get into recapping or where we're at is just to read the first verse. And then we'll go back to the first word and, and talk about it. It says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron <clears throat> went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And so look at afterward, we want to ask the question, after what? And if you're familiar with the book, you know if you were with us the last few weeks, you know. Uh, this is after the Lord had appeared to Moses out there in the wilderness. We know Moses at this point is about 80 years old. Um, they still were living a little longer back then. He'd actually live about 40 more years or so. But uh, he's 80 years old. He's been in that wilderness for 40 years. 40 years earlier, the Lord had put into his heart to go to his, go to his brothers, the, the Jews or the Israelites, and say, listen, the Lord wants to deliver us, wants to deliver you, but they weren't interested and through a series of events, he had to flee and was in exile. But the Lord had met him where he was at, and it seemed that Moses was pretty content out there in the desert. You know, he was taking care of sheep, had a wife, had a couple kids. The Lord had been good to him. And then the Lord appeared to him and said, listen, it's time to shake you up a little bit. It's time to rock the boat a little bit. Um, time to step out of faith. And as he appeared to him in that burning bush, remember, uh, uh, the Lord told Moses, I've heard the cries of your people, they're in bondage. And uh, I want you to go and um, to, to the elders and to the people and tell them that it's time for them to be delivered and uh, for you to go fit to Pharaoh and say, listen, the God of Israel has said it's time to let my people go. And uh, the Lord had told them, listen, the children of Israel will listen to you. If Pharaoh won't, I'm going to bring a, a, you know what, a, a humbling on them. But eventually, um, they're going to be set free. Kind of paraphrasing some of that. And uh, then remember, Moses started with, well, suppose this, suppose that. Suppose they don't listen to me. Suppose they don't believe me that you appeared to me. And, uh, you know... The Lord was patient and yet, you know, upset at Moses' lack of faith. But the Lord met him where he was at. And he said, well, you got a brother, Aaron, and he can speak. And he'll be your mouthpiece. And uh, you know what? While Moses was saying all this, the Lord was preparing all of it. And so Moses, remember, finally went out there back to Egypt. And Aaron, his brother, came out and met him because the Lord was working on Aaron. See, the Lord calls you to do something. The Lord's already working things out. The Lord's working behind the scenes. The Lord's shifting things around and so forth. You know, the Lord, uh, you know, if there's times when the Lord prompts you to go talk to someone about Jesus, or to go pray with somebody, I found that oftentimes the Lord's already been doing a work in that person. The Lord's already been setting things up, you know, and, and uh, he's been doing things that we don't know about. Can you believe that? He does things we don't know about. And setting the table. And so Aaron came out as the Lord had been ministering to him. And then he told the elders and the people what God had told them. And they received it. And remember he doubted. Suppose they won't listen. Suppose they weren't here. And God said they will hear. And guess what? They heard and they listened. Just like God said it would happen. Can you believe that? And so this is after that. God said this. They went. They told the elders. They told the people. They're like, hey, this is, we've been praying for this. 
And uh, as God said it would happen, even though Moses was, I don't know if it will happen. And now we come to the afterwards. So the children of Israel at this point are on board. By the end of the chapter, they may be off board temporarily, but they're on board. And then it says, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh. And this is a huge step here. I mean, no doubt Aaron is an elder there in Israel, and so Pharaoh might kind of know who he is, probably not though. Moses just showed up from a 40-year hiatus, and you know what, in Pharaoh's eyes, these guys are a couple scrubs. They're a couple nobodies. And the Lord told them to go in and to talk to, at this point, Pharaoh, no doubt, the most powerful man in the world. I mean, God had use Joseph, remember, to not only save Israel down there in Egypt, but through all of the course of those things we read about at the end of Genesis, Egypt had become the superpower in the world. I mean, they not only, not only did their government own all the land in their own country, but in surrounding lands around them, they, you know what, were the superpower. And these guys are told to, to, to go in there and to tell Pharaoh, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And I'll tell you, as much as we looked at Moses last week and kind of like, you know, why are you doubting and so forth, you got to give him props right here. This is bold as a lion type of stuff. I mean, this is him really trusting in the Lord. And I know a lot of times we don't do things out of intimidation of people and so forth we're afraid of how we'll be perceived or if the message won't be received and a lot of time it's not received but Moses acts on the word of God and you know what I think we got to remember in these times too many times and and this Sunday and James we're going to talk about how God shows no partiality we're not to show partiality and a lot of times in our thinking we lose sight of the fact that Men are just men and women are just women. They're made of dust. And you know what? We don't need to shrink back. We don't need to be ashamed. And we shouldn't be intimidated in sharing the gospel with anybody. I love Psalm 119.46. The psalmist says, I will speak your testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. And it's just my prayer that we would get more of that mentality and that faith in our hearts because we're living in a culture that absolutely we talk about it all the time and we see it where listen the Christian voice is trying to be shamed into the corner and you know what being put in a place of being labeled certain things that just aren't even true and we got to identify in who we are in Jesus Christ not in the title or the label that the enemy wants to put upon us and we got to remember, listen, God is on the throne. People are just people. And people might be high, hide behind titles and wealth and different things. At the end of the day, though, they lay down at night and they lay their head and they're as vulnerable to death as any of the rest of us. And they need Jesus Christ just like everybody else. And so he just steps out and, you know what, he's not ashamed. He's not ashamed of the truth. As outlandish as it is, I mean, this is an outlandish request, is it not? These guys are a bunch of slaves here. And the Lord God of Israel says, let my people go that I may hold a feast in the wilderness. I mean, outlandish, but he goes and just says, I'm going to share it. 
And let's face it, listen, the gospel's foolishness to those who are perishing, but it's life to those, again, that are, that, that, that are, that are being drawn in. And, uh, but we need to share it. And we need to share that truth. And he shares what God tells him to share, and we need to share that truth as well. Because as outlandish as it is to the world, it wasn't outlandish to you, right? And we came to faith in Christ Jesus. And again, he goes and says that we may have a feast in the wilderness. And obviously, you know, the ultimate goal here was that they were going to leave Egypt completely behind. But the Lord told them, listen, start with this. And perhaps this was to give Pharaoh an opportunity to obey. Give him an opportunity to say, listen, you know what? I'm going to let you go out and have that feast. This isn't a huge request. It's a minor request. You've obviously have built Egypt and the infrastructure has been built on your backs. And so I'm going to give you three days to go out to that wilderness. And I have to think that if Pharaoh at this point hadn't hardened his heart and it allowed that, he would have seen such a blessing that perhaps, you know what, that blessing would have changed and tilted his heart into a different direction. But we know that the word says that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And it says the Lord hardened his heart, but really it's indicating there that the Lord gave him over to the hardness of his heart. But the Lord also gave him an opportunity with something that wasn't so big that Pharaoh couldn't say yes to, to be able to say yes and see the blessing of it. But he chose to go this other direction instead. And so they want to go out and hold this feast and it's interesting, as they want to go out and hold this feast, I just think of 1 Corinthians 5, 6, it says, well, 5, 7, it says, for indeed Christ, our Passover was sacrificed for us, therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the leaven of unleavened bread and sincerity and truth. And they're wanting to go out and worship the Lord and keep that feast. And obviously, you know what, those Old Testament things were shadows of things fulfilled in Christ and things that are still being fulfilled in Scripture. But let's keep our feast, again, with sincerity and truth and with unleavened bread. And It's just a call to say, you know, as they want to go out that wilderness and honor the Lord, it's a reminder to us to daily, let's honor Him in sincerity and truth. Now, verse 2, it says, And Pharaoh said, and notice this, Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Listen, Pharaoh knew of the God of heaven. I read a few commentaries and they're like, you know what, you know what, I understand Pharaoh saying this. He didn't know who the Lord was. That's not true. That's not true at all. He knew of the God of heaven and he had chosen to push the God of heaven out of his thoughts. Because not only did he have, uh, no doubt, a historical record of the God of heaven. Listen, these guys aren't that far removed from the flood and you go to any ancient uh, historical record, and they all have record of the flood. No doubt he had a record. It says that he didn't know Joseph personally, but no doubt he had knowledge of the God of Israel. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And on top of that, listen, God, God has, has, has made himself known to all men. Romans 1.18 isn't just speaking about, you know what, this dispensation that we're in now of the new covenant, but in Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven 
against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, notice here, who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. And it goes talking about the evidence of creation, that there's a creator. And again, this guy is in a place where he had the historical record and the account and the witness of these things, and yet he has suppressed them in, in unrighteousness. And it's interesting, in Egypt, instead of worshiping the creator, they worshiped the creation. This was a land that was full of idols. It was full of demon worship. I mean, they worshiped the Nile River. They worshiped frogs. They worshiped, you know, it flies and so forth. All those plagues that came down uh, later on in the book have to deal with the gods that they worship. And the scripture even talks about that. God bringing those plagues, not against only the people, but the demons that they worshiped. And Pharaoh had a knowledge of who the Lord was, but again, he had pushed God out of his thoughts, again, as so many do today. Psalm 10, 4, the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. He just pushed the Lord completely out. But see, there's a truth. You can only suppress the truth and unrighteousness so long, and eventually judgment day comes. And at this point, he's saying, I don't know who the Lord is, but God you know, and what was going on here was not only delivering Israel, but he was going to use Moses and this process to make sure that Egypt did know who he was. In Exodus 7, 5, the Lord said, The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. And again, there are so many people who who push away the Lord, even though the knowledge of Him is there. But let me tell you, eternity is not going to be a thing of people being able to suppress that truth. Every knee on earth, on heaven, and below is going to bow and confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And so, listen, the truth of the matter is you need to know Him tonight if you don't know Him. And when we talk about knowing Him, we're not just talking about knowing of Him, but knowing Him as your Lord and Savior. Knowing Him as your God. Acknowledging the fact that we are in sin and we're in rebellion against Him. But Jesus Christ lived a sinless life and went to the cross of Calvary and defeated death that we can have forgiveness and a relationship through faith in Him, through humbling our heart and calling upon Him. That's knowing Him. Not just knowing of Him, but that's knowing Him. That's how we come into that real relationship with him that we talk so much about on Sunday. So he says, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. And um, again, you don't want to be in that place. Second, Second Thessalonians 1.8, in flaming fire, take vengeance on those who don't know the Lord, on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, what a, what a frightening verse. And some will look at that and say, I don't want to know a God like that. But let me tell you, that God is holy and without sin. And he gave man a free will and man chose to sin. And man chose to be his own God. And absolutely, he is just. And absolutely, listen, those that rebel, those that choose not to know him, he's going to hold them accountable for that. So who is the Lord? And basically, you know what, not only is he anti-Christ, but he's anti-Israel. 
that, I'll let his, that, that I shall let Israel go. And I'll tell you, those things always go hand in hand. Verse 3, so they said, the God of Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days, journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And notice here, Moses stands his ground. And Moses stands in the authority of the Lord. Moses doesn't get chippy with them. Moses doesn't take it personally. He says, listen, God has appeared to us. And so please, he's polite, he's respectful, right? Please let us go on this three days journey and sacrifice to the Lord. And then notice what he says, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. And it's interesting when I was reading that, I thought about what Jesus said when he was referring to himself as the cornerstone that the Jews were rejecting at the time of his ministry outside of a remnant. But in Matthew 21, 44, he says, whoever falls on the stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. And that's more or less what Moses is saying. Listen, let us go sacrifice to the Lord. Let us fall on the altar before the Lord, because if we don't fall on the altar before the Lord, the Lord's going to fall on us, and we're going to be grounded to powder. And indeed, listen, by the time they leave Egypt, it gets grounded to powder. And again, that truth is still the case today. Far better to humble your heart and fall at the feet of Christ than to reject Him and resist Him and have Him come down on you and grind you to powder. And I know a lot of people are uncomfortable with that kind of thought and so forth, and they've made Jesus out to be something that He is not in the Scripture. Listen, He loves us. He's made that way of salvation. But if you reject Him, you're under His judgment and listen, go read the end of Revelation. He's coming back with a sword and as the nations rebel against him, it's going to get ugly. It really is. We need to humble our hearts and call on him. And our nation needs to humble our hearts and call upon the Lord. And I've cautioned, I've cautioned people even today who act like there's some revival in our country because Donald Trump's been elected president. And listen, practically, I take a sigh of relief that the other person did not get elected. But I ain't seen no revival broke out. And I didn't hear the gospel go forth in any acceptance speech. And I want to pray that that man does some of the things, or does the things, you know what, uh, that he says he's going to do in regards to life in the womb. And, and, and you know what, protecting free speech and, and things like that. But this, this country needs to fall out on the Lord or call out to the Lord or it's going to get grinded to powder whether you got an elephant or a donkey there in the White House. <laughs> and a whole lot of the talks is about money, you know. Who's going to get us more money? And this guy's plan looks like he's going to get us more money and this person's just stealing money so we don't want this person and this person, other person's made a lot of money he can help us make money. And that's what a lot of that vote's about. But um, we need to call out to him. And I'll tell you, listen, if, if, if even, you know, the Lord knows his perfect plan and maybe this stays off some persecution and opens some doors or leaves some doors open for the church, we're going to be held accountable for that. And so it's all the more. We better be preaching the gospel. It's all the more. Listen, he has been given much, much is required of him, is it not? 
And if you have certain freedoms that other people don't have, though again, God is our Lord and our ultimate authority. But if we have opportunities and more freedoms and such, we better exercise them because more is required of us as a nation, as Christians in this nation. And so before we get all giddy, let's get on our knees and say, what's our responsibility and be about the business of the Lord? And that includes praying for the individual finishing his term and for the next individual coming in to say, my turn. And I really encourage you in all of it not to get chippy and arrogant. The Lord's not chippy and arrogant, and that doesn't draw people to Jesus Christ. Stand in the truth of boldness and in love, absolutely. And if people don't like that, if they're offended by that, so be it. But let's not, be, let's not let them be offended by us. Verse 4, Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. And notice the key words in these two verses, work, labor, and labor. This king was only concerned, again, with temporary matters, with work. And I'll tell you something tonight, if you're not aware of it, Satan loves to use labor and work to keep people from the Lord. Granted, we should do all our work as unto the Lord. He's created us to work. And absolutely, again, we want to be upright in that work. But labor and work is not our Lord. He is. And boy, I run into people all the time. And I'll start talking to them about Christ. I'll talk to them about the Lord. And they say, I'm too busy for that. I got to work all the time. What are you working for? You think you're here on earth for 70 years just to work? Aren't you concerned with your eternal soul? Listen, I love it. Again, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but in 1 Peter it talks about there in 1, 17 through 19, how we've been redeemed, not with silver and gold, but with the blood of Christ. And you know what? We've been redeemed from our, your aimless conduct received from the tradition of your fathers. Aimless conduct. And that's what most labor is. Again, it doesn't mean we can't do it under the Lord, and we should. But you take the Lord out of it, it's aimless conduct. And Pharaoh is caught up in aimless conduct, and he wants the people just to be caught up with aimless conduct to keep them from coming to the Lord. They need to back to work. They need to labor. They're resting from their labor. Don't talk about the Lord. Just get caught up in your labor. Jesus dealt with this. Luke 9, 59, he said to another, follow me. But he said, let me first go and bury my father. Again, I can't follow you. I got to go labor. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid farewell to those who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. But just taking labor and taking responsibility here we need to be irresponsible people don't leave and say oh pastor steve taught tonight i don't need to work and i should be irresponsible we need to do those things but they can't they can't take precedence over the lord and with pharaoh listen labor and his aimless conduct took precedent over his eternal soul and worshiping god who he knew though he suppressed that knowledge and unrighteousness 
yet he's trying to get the people to get so caught up with labor and work that they make no time for the Lord. And listen, if you're too busy for the Lord, you are too busy. And it's time to take a step of faith and get things prioritized and watch how God will stretch your time and watch how God will meet you where you are as you put Him, the Lord, over labor. Rarely, I don't, I don't think it's probably ever happened where a Christian laid on his deathbed and said, you know, I regret seeking the Lord so much, I should have labored more. Now again, maybe part of your seeking the Lord is actually going out and laboring because you don't labor. And so there's balance in these things, right? But how oftentimes, I mean, we are in a, in a country that works hard. And you got to labor almost to survive in this country. I know homelessness appeals to a lot of people because they don't want any responsibility. And they learn just to go and be able to get enough for this day and that day. And, and part of the appeal becomes, I don't like the pressure of having to pay rent and a mortgage and bills and so forth. But listen... Again, there's so many people that got they work jobs after job after job, but then others it just that it just becomes their labor becomes their lord. And if labor is your lord tonight, you need to crucify that because labor is being the issue right here to keep these people from the Lord from worshiping the Lord. So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, "You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves, and you shall lay on them a quota of bricks." which they made before, you shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go sacrifice to our God. Let more, be, let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. Listen, whenever you're in a place of wanting to draw near to the Lord, especially when you're in a place of being delivered from something, the clutches that are on you, you better believe that Satan's going to put up a fight. He is a harsh task master and you're fooling yourself if you think he's just gonna roll over and let you step out of the bondages that he has you in and again these people were in bondage and this is why the scripture again his aim is to keep men in their sin and christians in bondage and this is why we got verbiage like this james 4 7 therefore submit to god resist the devil and he will flee from you why do you got to resist because he does not want to let go and in Ephesians 6, it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities and so forth. You know, spiritual force of wickedness in the heavenlies. And he is going to ramp it up when you say, I want to serve the Lord. He's going to come and he's going to try to keep you from doing that. I have this conversation on a weekly basis with someone or someone else. I've had this conversation with people in this room in the last few weeks. It was like, man, it was going so good. And then all of a sudden, it's like I ran into a wall. I go, yeah, it's the enemy because he sees you moving forward and he sees you getting away from the death camp and he wants to drag you back there. And so praise God is happening. It's evidence that you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's Pharaoh and he's a type of Satan here, no doubt, a type of Antichrist wanting to ramp it up. Let me put more burden on them. Let me put more worry on them that they'll quit thinking about the Lord. And notice what he says, let them not regard false words. And how many people have 
you know, have come to the Lord and you've been told, listen, that you're going to have the joy of the Lord and so forth, and then they hit that first trial that we are promised in Scripture, are we not? And then the enemy says, see, those words are false. You're not happy now. And instead of taking those thoughts captive, we listen to those words and we go, okay, well, I'm not going to move forward. And Jesus talks all about that in the parable of the sower. But he always attacks the word of God. And it takes faith to trust in God's word, but God's word is trustworthy. So he tries to get us in the flesh and fill our hearts with fear in an attempt to get us to doubt and shrink back. And this is when we got to cast those thoughts down, standing in the word of God. And God had already told them. God had told Abraham 400 years earlier, listen, you're going to be suppressed, but you're going to be delivered. And God had told Moses, you're going to be delivered. And what they need to do at this point is say, listen, God has said he's going to do these things and he's going to do these things. But again, the enemy is going to come in and try to get us to doubt and he is going to resist. And he's going to try to, again, get us by the ankle to keep us from moving forward. Verse 10, And taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh. So now he wants to spread the lie here and spread the intimidation. I will not give you straw, so get yourself straw where you can find it. Yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad through all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. Also the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as before? The enemy knows that we love comfort. He knows that. And Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you got to take up your cross and follow me. That's not comfortable. And I'll tell you, he uses all the time the threat of losing your comfort to get us from stepping out in faith. All the time he does that. The Lord says, do this. Step out in faith. Watch me go before you. Watch, you know what, glorious things unfold. And the enemy comes back with, that's not going to be comfortable. And so the enemy here is trying to make them uncomfortable to get them to slow their role in seeking after the Lord and standing in this. It's one of his tactics. When we step out in faith, oftentimes it's a step out in faith because we're abandoning that comfort to say, I'm going for it. And the enemy will say, well, you're not going to have the straw that you need to make those bricks. Now you've got to go after stubble because you're stepping out in faith. But listen... Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. But I guarantee you, you start stepping out of faith and the enemy will say, you're not going to have that straw and you got to get by with stubble. And we got to remember, listen, God's on the throne and he's going to be faithful. We also got to know this, listen. The enemy wanted them to remain in the place where their lives were spent, focusing on labor, and just gathering straw. That's what the world does. Again, so much of what the world is, so much of this even election was, 
I can get more straw for you than this other person. I can get more wood, hay, and stubble than this other person can. No, I can get more wood, hay, and stubble than this other person can. You know what's going to happen on Judgment Day with wood, hay, and stubble? It's all going to burn. And so are we about the business of gathering wood, hay, and stubble? Or are we about the business gathering silver, precious stones, and gold for that crown in heaven? 1 Corinthians 11, 3.11 For there's no foundation, for no other foundation can anyone lay but that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And that fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And the enemy wanted them to stay gathering straw when God's saying it's time to step out of faith and gather wood or to gather gold, silver, and precious stones. This is applicable to us. I, 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 do you see the application? And he intimidates. And he wants you to keep, oh, I got to stay in this comfortable place because, listen, if I step out, I won't have my straw and I might just have stubble. But listen, straw and stubble, you know what they both have in common? You put a match to it, they both burn up. And when you step out of faith, again, God meets you where you're at. And now instead of gathering acorns over here, you're gathering precious stones. Do you want to be an acorn gatherer or a precious stone gatherer with your life? Do you want to say, I just want to be comfortable here in my straw hut, you know, with these things. Or do I want to step out and we start stepping out of faith? Again, the enemy comes in as a taskmaster. No, I've got to get you back in the straw hut. When the Lord says, no, step out of faith and be about my business. Be doing the things I've called you to do. Be a worshiper of me. Take time to spend with me. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Take the gifts that you have and go walk in them and so forth. Put the Lord first and labor second, that the Lord would be the Lord over your labor. But I'll tell you, the enemy uses these tactics to this day, and he's employed them in a great manner in our own country. Verse 15, Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, make brick. Indeed, your servants are beaten, but the fault is on your own people. Notice here, the officers and the children of Israel cried out to Pharaoh? They're crying out to the enemy? How about crying out to the Lord? <laughs> Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. And they're crying out to the wrong person, and they're crying out in the wrong place. And when you step out of faith and the enemy comes in to try to afflict you, listen, cry out to the Lord. Again, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears. And then they say, why are you dealing thus with your servants? And listen, we're servants of the Lord first and foremost. And let's remember that. We have a good master, amen? 
we have a good Lord. When he says, step out in faith, I'll supply your need. He is not giving us lip service. But too many times we subject ourselves to the mentality that I have to be dependent upon fallen men for my livelihood and my substance and everything else when my God is on the throne and they're subjected to him whether they know that or not. I mean, we have a master who laid down his life for us. He loves us. 17, but he said, you are idle, idle. Notice he says it twice here with an exclamation point. He really wants to drive home the point. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work, <clears throat> for no straw shall be given to you. Yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw they were in trouble. After it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. And they said to him, let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. <laughs> Pharaoh says, you're idle, you're idle. This all started when they said, let's step out in faith and do what God has called us to do. Let's step out in faith and go request to have a three-day feast in the desert to the Lord. And Pharaoh comes back with idol, or this is a waste of time. And let me tell you, one of the pressures when you say, I want to put the Lord first in a world that just says we should be about wood, hand, stubble is, you're wasting your life. That is idle time. And there's always pressure to refrain from building the kingdom of God and pursue the aimless conduct of the world. I know, I know men, women in ministry that are disapproved of by their families because they're about the business of building the kingdom of God instead of the family business. That pressure will come. And it will come oftentimes with two exclamation points like it is right here. And again, they say, it says they saw they were in trouble, but who are they in trouble with? With God? No. With men, well, who cares if you're serving God? Who cares if you're in trouble with men? If you're in trouble with men for serving God, listen, you should rejoice in that day. And then again, you know what? They come here and they're angry at God and his messengers when their way of living is threatened or compromised. And this is why, listen, this is why we're living in a time where so many liars that tickle people's ears and pulpits are popular. Because they tell people what they want to hear to keep them in that comfort zone. Don't stretch, don't challenge. It's tickle the ear Tell us what we want to hear because we don't want our way of living threatened or compromised. And they're going after Moses and Aaron who have said, listen, let's go and get out of here and go worship the Lord. God's calling us to something better than this. 
but they don't receive it. I mean, let the Lord look on you and judge because you've made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh. Who cares how you look in the sight of Pharaoh? The Lord's blessed when we step out of faith. But God's patient in all of this as he is with us. These people have been in slavery for hundreds of years and it takes time to quit thinking like a slave and start thinking like a freed man. And see, before we came to Christ, we were enslaved too to sin. And now we're in the process of learning to think like free people, right? And hopefully this is helping us tonight to think like we're free, like who we really are in Christ Jesus. 22, so Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? (laughs) Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. And Moses turns and he blames God. Why have you sent me? Have you ever asked God why? Why are you doing this? Why is this happening like this? Listen, God had already told them why. God has sent them to get the people delivered. And God had already told them that it would take a little bit of time and he needed to be patient. It was already unfolding as God said that it would. But he needed to be patient. And listen, that application is for us tonight. God has done what he says he's going to, that he would do, and he is doing what he said he would do, and he's going to do what he said he is going to do, and we need to be patient because his timing is perfect. And when we get tempted to say, you know, why, Lord, have you brought this trouble upon me? We need to remember what God has said. That he works all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. That he is coming back like a thief in the night. That we will rule and reign with him forever and ever and ever and ever. But we get short-sighted and we live in the moment. And that moment we're uncomfortable and we're like, why? Why has the straw been replaced with stubble? And he's working it all for good. Listen, he was working this for good. He was working an angle here. They just wanted to go ask and be let go, but God did not want it to go down like that. The Lord had a different plan. He wanted there to be a struggle. He wanted the Egyptians to know who God was. He wanted all of those Egyptians subjected to Pharaoh to know who God was because Pharaoh had lied to them and said, these demons are your gods. And he wanted them to be delivered by the blood of a lamb to set precedence for the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And at this point, they're like, how could this be for good? God knew what he was doing. Amen. And so when we get our straw pulled back and we just got stubble, let's trust in the Lord. God knows what he's doing. God's on the throne. Let's not be intimidated by the pharaohs and the taskmasters, but trust in the Lord. And absolutely, let's not put a little L before the big L, but put the Lord first and then put labor in its proper place under his lordship. Heavenly Father, we praise you tonight and we thank you for your goodness and your word, Lord. And Lord, there's, I believe, application for us here tonight in this passage. And we need help on these things, Lord, because we are conditioned to think in a certain way, God, that 
absolutely doesn't deliver us but keeps us into bondage, Lord. Let our minds be renewed by the scriptures. Let us be found abounding and growing in you. And I'd hope and pray, God, that tonight we've, Lord, learned to think more like freed people and who we are in you. And let us, Lord, get delivered from, again, that bondage mentality, that slave mentality when we were slaves to the world and to sin and to the enemy. Listen, tonight as we close in prayer, you've heard the gospel tonight, the good news. The bad news is that we are in sin, and if we die not knowing the Lord as Jesus is Lord, we will be subjected to hell. The good news is that Christ came and paid the penalty of your sin. He took the wrath due you upon himself. The wrath of God that will rest upon every sinner who rejects him forever. Jesus took that upon himself to pay your penalty. Will you resist that and reject that, suppress that truth and unrighteousness, or will you humble your heart and say, Jesus, I want to know you. I humble my heart before you. I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. I turn from these demons. I turn from these other lords. I turn from these idols, from these sins, from my own lordship, and I come before you And I ask you to be merciful to me, a sinner. Be my God and my Savior, my Lord. And listen, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And maybe we all have here tonight, but if you haven't, I I, I cannot implore you enough. You need to call upon Christ. I I ain't going to force you or make you. As he's knocking on the door of your heart. The Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Respond to him. Respond to the righteousness, the right standing found in Jesus Christ. By asking him to be your Lord. God bless the rest of our night and our fellowship here. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.